Y2, green right off, nasty. Hound 2, Y booty, X facing back right on. 580! Green 87! GLIAC Football Weekly starts right now. Now here's your host, Jake Reitma. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That's right, GLIAC Football Weekly is on the air. GLIAC Football Weekly Season 2 begins right now. I am your host, Jake Reitma. So glad to have you along for the only, the only show dedicated to the latest and greatest on the gridiron in the GLIAC, bringing you the best the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference has to offer in the greatest game in the world that is football i'm your host jake Rima. let's get let's let's get it started because i know i say this every week i promise i'm aware of that but i also promise that i mean this every week and that we are absolutely loaded we've got what a busy week to tap into that we just had and to look ahead to it is rivalry week man do we have some showdowns coming up in the Great Lakes Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. So it's gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to stay disciplined, do our best. We gotta recap what happened in week six on the gridiron in the GLIAC. And then we have a fantastic interview with the head coach of the Fair State Bulldogs, Tony Anise. And I I again I, I don't wanna sound like a broken record. That's not what I'm doing here, but once a week we get GLIAC football weekly on the air. We get to visit with a, a head coach of one of these fine institutions, but TA, my guy Tony Anise brought it I'll just put it that way and we're gonna laugh a little bit in the interview we're gonna talk some X's and O's he's gonna give me a hard time and then I really do think anybody will enjoy the interview with Tony Anise here on GLIAC Football Weekly so that's coming up next but before we get into it let's recap a busy week six on the gridiron in the GLIAC with a couple of and and for what it's worth I was two and two with my picks so that that brings me to 20 and 11 so uh, we we, we got to be better than than two wins to one loss I got to be better I I'm I'm, I'm uh, the perfect week is coming with the picks I know it is I know it is a perfect week is coming but um actually I th- I'm gonna start with some of the night games and work our way backwards and uh Begin with Wayne State and Michigan Tech in the Motor City, Tom Adams Field, and we've got a walk-off, a walk-off field goal for the Michigan Tech Huskies who earned the hard-fought road victory over Wayne State, 30-27 to the final in this one, so it's back to the drawing board for the Wayne State Warriors. They're now 0-6, and don't, I said this in the column, but don't look now, Michigan Tech 2-0 in the Gleek Steve Olsen squad, putting together, I would say quietly putting together a very nice start, they're 3-2 overall, but the special teams player of the week for Michigan Tech, freshman kicker, punter, for the GLIAC from Michigan Tech, Drew Wibble out of Marquette, made the game-winning 26-yard field goal for the Huskies' victory over Wayne State, 30-27. to He was 3-for-3 three three on field goals for the day, longest being a 35-yarder. So congrats to him. Congrats to the Michigan Tech Huskies, who are now 3-2. The other night game, it was in Allendale, and in a word... Ugly. If you're a Northwood fan or a Northwood alum and hosting a Gleek Football Weekly show, which I am, but Grand Valley State overwhelming the Timberwolves. Northwood goes up six nothing, and in oh, I, 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 I'm di- I'm having trouble even articulating the, the how much 
Grand Valley then took control of this game. 35 points in the second quarter alone. They soared to the 70-9 to win over Northwood at home, which of course sets up that battle of unbeatens, which we're going we're gonna to break down, we're going to dissect Grand Valley and Ferris State, the Anchor Bone Classic, going to be an absolutely amazing showdown there at Lover Stadium. But Cade, Cade Peterson, your player of the week on the offensive side of things, he just had a, a, a dominating performance. I mean, just Grand Valley looking like a juggernaut out there compared to, to Northwood. Um, Peterson was 14 of 20 for 251 yards, four touchdowns, ran for 32 yards and just four carries, and he only played the first half. So um, this one was was over in the second quarter, and Cade Peterson gets the GLIAC Player of the Week nod for his performance in the 70-9 victory. We had another overtime, or not another overtime, the only overtime thriller was Saginaw Valley State going on the road, the cross-country trek to the Lone Star State and knocking off Texas A&M Commerce 20-17, the final. And I wrote this in the column, which was really um, you know, um, uh, a copy and paste from the game day recap. Not plagiarism, of course. Of course not. But it was a direct quote from head coach Ryan Brady. The biggest win for Saginaw Valley State since 2012 when they knocked off Valdosta. But a gutsy, gritty win for the Cardinals on the road. 20-17 to in overtime. And I'll, I'll level. It, offensively, it was... Um, not pretty to say the least for the Cardinals, um, 24 yards passing, but doesn't matter. I would, I say this to anybody and any coach would tell you the same thing. They would much rather win ugly than lose cute. And for the Cardinals, they're three and three, another big non-con win for SVSU. And they bounce back nicely after that loss at home to Grand Valley State with a really impressive 20 to 17 win over Texas A&M Commerce. And last but not least, Davenport avenges its week three loss against Northern Michigan with an 18-13 win at home over the Northern Michigan Wildcats. And this was pretty interesting to me because it was a game that was relatively even on the stat sheet, but Davenport had a slight edge in just about every category. However, the time of possession just jumps out to you and I gotta find it here in front of me. And it should it should also be noted that Davenport has never lost on homecoming in, in school history, which is pretty interesting. But Davenport held the ball for 37 minutes and 53 seconds, nearly 38 minutes compared to the Wildcats only possessing it for 22 minutes and seven seconds. So just a huge discrepancy there in time of possession. But kudos to Sparky McEwen and his squad. Blake Daniels got the start as the quarterback for the Davenport Panthers and eventually helped lead them to the victory to move to, I believe that moves them to two and three on this or two and four I'm sorry so the Davenport now two and four one and one in the league and Northern Michigan three and three and one in the league so there's your finals from week 
number six in the Gleek. And I, I do apologize. You know, li- live podcasting here. It's just me. I don't have a producer. I don't have anybody in my ear saying, hey, Jake, you missed something. But I did. I, I did miss something in the Saginaw Valley game. The defense played phenomenal. I wanted to mention that. And specifically Nick Whiteside, who was your third member of the Gleek Players of the Week. So he gets the nod for defensive player of the week um and again help Saginaw to that big non-conference win for the SVSU Cardinals and uh, he had the 74 yard interception return for a touchdown which I'll say it I think I mean in it again reading the recaps and not being at the game I think that you can unequivocally say that was the the biggest play of of the game and and Whiteside also had seven tackles and a pass breakup so Though there's your defensive player of the week, Nick Whiteside. So kudos to him. So one more time, final scoreboard from week number six. You've got Davenport over Northern Michigan, 18 to 13. The Cardinals of Saginaw Valley State, 20. Texas A&M Commerce, 17. Michigan Tech goes to Tom Adams Field in the Motor City and gives Wayne State its sixth consecutive loss, 30 to 27. The final walk-off field goal for the Huskies and Northwood falls by a lopsided score of 70 to nine at the hand of the unbeaten Grand Valley State Lakers, setting up that matchup of unbeatens, the Anchor Bone Classic, which we're going to get into between Ferris State and Grand Valley. We're also going to look ahead to the full slate of Rivalry Week here in the upcoming Saturday in week number seven on the gridiron in the GLIAC. But who better to talk to about one of the best rivalries in all of Division II football and just the incredible job he's done at Ferris State. That is the head coach for the Ferris State Bulldogs, Tony Anise. He's our featured interview on this week's episode of GLIAC Football Weekly. Here he is, Tony Anise. All right, as promised, we now welcome on the head coach of the Ferris State Bulldogs, Coach Tony Anise, kind enough to join us on this edition of GLIAC Football Weekly. Coach Anise, how are we doing, my friend? I am doing great, Jake. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And full disclosure, you are doing well. I mean, about to sit down to a delicious meal overlooking a beautiful lake view. And I, first question is, how do you stay so uh, cool, calm and collected with, with such a big week coming up? Well, these uh, these weeks are all big. So, you know, everybody wants to focus on um, you know, the big game, but I always tell my players that the big game for me is is getting to the big game. And, and so every week we played now so far, you know, my, my level of stress is probably higher than it will be for this game because uh, I always say big games are players games. And, and uh, you know, the biggest challenge as a coach is, you know, do, do you trip up on somebody you, you, you shouldn't lose to, you know, you, you might have better players and, and uh, you know, you, you've got things really in, in a good position and yet, you know, you trip up and it happens every week and throughout the college football landscape. And uh, we've had good fortune to not have it happen to us. And now we're finally, uh, finally to the big one where, you know, both teams are undefeated and there's a lot to play for. So that's, uh, that's for the players, you know, to enjoy. And I just relax and, and uh, just try to put our best foot forward. There you go. Tony Anise, our guest on this edition of GLIAC Football Weekly. And obviously the Anchor Bone Showdown coming up in Allendale. That's going to be a 
huge portion of what we talk about. But I do think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention what's brought you to this point. And obviously, both teams undefeated this year, off to an undefeated start. But even a, a bigger body of work and the sustained level of success you've had since taking over at Ferris. And if you want to look at, at 2019 and, and the year before that and the year before that, I could go on and on. But just in, in to the best of your ability, what do you attribute that uh, success in Big Rapids to? Well, I actually was at the Caledonia Rockford game speaking exactly about that topic uh, last Friday. There was a little delay, so I stood with Jason Vanderlaan, who's the Rockford OC, and I was telling people um, none of this would have happened unless we had Jason Vanderlaan. I mean, <laughs> our, our, you know, we, whenever you can, like, get immediate success, you take over a program, and whenever you get immediate success, I mean, that's just like a dream come true. You know, a lot of people have, you know, five-year plans. And when I took the Ferris job, I said I wanted to have a one-day plan, meaning I wanted us to grow every day, you know, try to improve and, 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 and you know, just, you know, capture the best that was in each and every individual. But, uh, you know, our first year, 2012, we went over to, to Lubbers and, and uh, we beat them 40 to 24. Um, I would guess, you know, looking back, they probably would have beat us nine out of 10 if we would have played them 10 times. But it was that glorious one time, <laughs> that uh, magical one time where everything went our way. And uh, Jason was just kind of the piece of, of the puzzle, like, I mean, a freak in the best way I can say it in regards to, you know, just being a guy that had that kind of durability, that kind of athleticism, that kind of size, that kind of intellect and to manage a game. And we were able to beat them. Um, and, and that first time we played them and, and it just kind of just turned the program right there. Um, people believed that, you know, believed in me um, when really they had no, you know, nothing really to, other than I was a high school coach, you know, there's nothing I'd hang my hat on in regards to, my accomplishments is Division II college football. So, you know, it's probably my sixth game as a Division II college coach. And, and so that game was significant. And, you know, we've, we've rode the wave ever since. Our guys work extraordinarily hard. And then, you know, uh, with Jason came Jake Lampman, who played in the NFL, and Justin Zimmer, who's still playing in the NFL. And then it goes on and on with, with all the guys now that are in the NFL. And, it was uh, it was just cool to see how one individual impacted more individuals who impacted more individuals. And, you know, that 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 still is happening today. You know, I mean, that that uh, impact that maybe Zach Sealer had on Austin Edwards and then Austin Edwards has it on our current players. And and it's pretty incredible. So uh, long, long winded answer. But uh, I think that's how it all started. And, now, you know, everybody talks about the big game in the Grand Valley. Well, it's been the big game, you know, virtually every year. I mean, I can't think of a game really where it wasn't big. And so um, it's just both teams have done, uh, you know, great jobs winning games. And, and so every, every year, you know, it, it really comes down to, you know, a big game with them. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to uh, Jason Vanderland, I can I can attest to that. I mean, 2015, remember being on the field as him looking across the ball and just 
admitting like i don't belong out here what in the world and just some of the guys <laughs> that uh, that you had just the uh and i think that even speaks to to your recruiting now to kind of put a current event spin on it now you've got you've got le- four legitimate quarterbacks that you could line up under center and and just how have you been able to uh bring in the these program changing players well you know two of them we brought in out of high school um um, we, we love them both, but, uh, you know, Malik, um, Malik was a Kent state transfer, actually coach rock, who was, uh, our assistant head coach recruited Malik because coach rock was at Kent state recruited Malik. And so, um, when Malik was looking for a place, um, we just kind of got connected and, and he's been just a great team player. And with Jared, it was really a weird situation, but, Jared, you know, was the division one player of the year in lacrosse. And he sent out an email, you know, similar to, to like what you experienced. So I, I spoke with you about this before, but you lost your dad while you're in college. I lost my dad who was a, uh, you know, 26 year high school head coach. I lost him while I was in college when I was 21. And then Jared lost his dad who was a coach um, when Jared was 21. So when I read the email that he sent out and he sent it out to, you know, I mean, he sent it out to a lot of division one schools, but a few D two schools that, you know, likes dual threat quarterbacks. And, and my son, Steve actually caught it in the email because I'm the worst email man known to, I mean, I, I just can't catch emails, but Steve caught it. And then I read the email and, and, we ran back and watched his high school highlight tape. We're like, my gosh, you know, and so, you know how it is, you see a dual threat guy with that kind of athleticism and it's like, it's unbelievable, you know? And, and so he's been, he's been a blessing too. So all of them been blessings. And what's really crazy is they just support one another. We put a team script together um, and we're, we're 40 plays in a team script and they each share 10 and we do Skelly and they all share reps and, uh, and still today, it was all shared reps. And it um, doesn't matter if you're first string or fourth string, everybody shares reps. So we almost treat it like everybody's first string, truthfully. And, and that's how it works. And I was even watching some of your um, your media press conferences from earlier this week, talking about how at times it feels like you're flipping a coin and literally flipping a coin to decide who is going to be your starter. And I know, I know, Coach Anise, you're waiting for Gleak Football Weekly to to reveal to everybody who is in fact going to start on Saturday, right? Yeah. Well, we just had the great debate, so you know, if I listen to my wife, um, you know, it would it would be. Uh, be different. No, <laughs> it'd be different than what some of the assistants said. So um, it is who, who's, really, who has the most power, right? Who's most. Yeah. Important? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she, she does it from the heart, you know, and, but, uh, but you know, it, it's, it really is. It's like, you know, what do you, when we first decided against Finley who was starting truthfully, it was, well, what do we want to run the first play? And then who's best at that play? And it really came down to that. And uh, so, all you know, Evan has started enough games where I trust him. Uh, Malik just broke the, the school record in passing. And, and Jared was the national player of the week in, in week one. And so, um, let alone Jesse Rivera is really good, too. So, 
yeah, it's been a blessing and, and they're all great young men. Um, so it's, it's really fun to be around them. Yeah. And it's gotta be neat as a coach to see them. I mean, with the, the quality of players that they are to be encouraging one another, you know, as opposed to trying to, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, take as much as they can for, for themselves. It just doesn't seem like it's that way at all. No, it isn't. You know, Malik has been probably the, I mean, the biggest blessing because he, you know, he started, he started against Penn state. I mean, he played at Penn state, he played at Alabama, you know, and, and he could be like an egotistical, you know, I'm a D one guy played in big time college football. But if you saw his interview the other day, he said, uh, mm -hmm. you know, this has just been a blessing. This is a great place. And it's so cool for him to take that perspective. Um, and they all support one another, you know, um, Malik uh, drove us down the field uh, against Finley. He was really the second quarterback in. Um, and, and Jared basically had his first two possessions were two scores. And then Malik came in and he was driving us down the field. And we got inside the 10 and I put uh, Jared back in and it was like a one play, eight yard. Uh, um, say hi, Shaw. <laughs> What's up, hey. Shaw? How are we doing, hey. man? Right. Welcome, to, welcome to GLIAC Football Weekly, man. We're live, baby. <laughs> hey, sweet. Glad to be here, man. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, so I put uh, Jared in for one play, and he scored. And you can see it on, you know, on, the, on the camera, like how they interacted. You know, and Jared, you could tell he's a little embarrassed that he got Malik's touchdown, and Malik gave him a hug. And, and so, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. You know, they, they've got mad respect for one another and, or all of them have respect for each other. And so, you know, it can be a problem sometimes. It can be really challenging. Obviously, quarterbacks all want to play, but uh, they've been, been very unselfish. Looking ahead to the game Saturday night on the road against Grand Valley, a series you guys have had the really owned in the last uh, better than five years. And, and really, as, as a program, you guys have just been road warriors. Going on the road has been um, really no problem whatsoever. I think it's, it's 18 of the last uh, however many road games you've won. But what type of challenges do Grand does Grand Valley present? And, you know, having seen Grand Valley play this year, it feels like they're uh, an improved team from 2019. And obviously that's ancient history with the gap year in 2020 there, but um, it's, it feels like a little bit different of a team there in, in Allendale. Yeah, they got momentum. Um, they've had momentum when we've played them in the past, but you know, if you look back at the 19 season, their only loss was to Ashland on a hail Mary play. But you know, when you have one loss and then we're playing them in week 10, um, you know, it's a little bit more challenging. So we, we didn't have a loss that they had won. Um, and, and so this year, obviously we're both five and all, um, they're playing, um, you know, they, they put kind of a new emphasis or a renewed emphasis on the run game. And, uh, so they're running the ball very effectively. Um, and then their quarterbacks, a, a dual threat guy for the first time in years, mm -hmm. um, you know, back to the old school days when, you know, their quarterback really ran it. And uh, so he, he's, he's elusive um, and he's a really good player. And so their offense is definitely a handful. And then their defense, uh, they changed defenses um, in 2019 season to more of, a, you know, more of a style like we run or Saginaw's running it. But uh, 
we all kind of copied uh, Northwest Missouri State back, you know, when we played them in 16, we were very impressed by, uh, you know, how, how well they executed their defense. So they're, they're running that defense, that style, and they're very physical and aggressive. And, and then they're, you know, Coach Mitchell's the, uh, you know, special teams coach, and, and uh, he's really, you know, got them playing really well in special teams. So they're, you know, I think both teams uh, are good in all three phases. Uh, people talk, you know, they're the number two scoring offense, or excuse me, number three scoring offense in the nation. And so, you know, they, they rack up some points. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, I don't think it's going to be a, a wildly high scoring affair because, you know, I think everybody, both teams can run, stop the run as, you know, pretty effectively. So if you looked at statistics, I mean, it's pretty impressive on both ends as far as what, uh, what both teams have and, uh, you know, the, the, the capacity to, you know, play in different styles and stuff of that sort. So, but, um, you know, they're, they're well coached, you know, their defensive coordinator is always, you know, giving us fits, uh, and, uh, you know, their new offensive coordinator, um, it's done a really nice job as well. Absolutely. Now, guys in loudmouths like me in the media, the media, if you will, can talk about this being for the conference championship and and what kind of effect it will have moving forward. I'm assuming it's different as as a coaching staff. Do you guys? I mean, we're in early mid October. You probably don't start talking about conference championships, but again. I'll say it. I believe this is d- to determine the, the conference champion and, and playoff positioning and that sort of thing is, are there any types of discussions like that going on in your program? We really don't talk about it. Um, truthfully, we just, it, it's really odd, but we don't like, we don't talk about our capacity to go win on the road. Um, you know, we don't talk about like, we don't put pressure on ourselves to say, Hey, you know, this is for the GLIAC championship. Um, you know, whoever wins the game is going to be one up with, you know, four to go. I mean, that's pretty significant, right? Um, so that's really important, but I mean, obviously we enjoy um, winning conference championships, you know, we, we've won it four out of the last six years. Um, but, uh, um, and, and in undefeated fashion. So, you know, I truly believe the, the GLIAC championship champion probably has to be undefeated I'm guessing so uh the winner of this game is is you know got a lead obviously in regional rankings potentially uh bye week the first game um those are all things that you know really matter but uh if we talked about all the things then I might be stressed out now you know what I mean so (laughs) I really don't want to be stressed out yeah Um, you can blame me for that I brought it up yeah 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 so it's uh you know, it, it's just another another opportunity to celebrate the great game of football, and that's how we try to approach everything. We try to focus on Ferris State. We t- try to um, not, you know, stress out about our opponent. You know, and I always i I said this to him the other day. I'd rather I'd rather you know lose to a team and play great, you know, knowing that team is, is great, than to you know be less than our best. So I want to. I just want to go there and be stress-free and, and enjoy the environment. You know, we've played very well there. We've won four out of five there. And I don't think anybody can say that, right? You don't go to lovers and win four out of five. So we try to just kind of take that mentality that um, we're just very comfortable and, and we don't want to put pressure on ourselves. We just want to go out and celebrate the great game of football. 
No doubt about it. And uh, I appreciate all the time. So only time for a couple more. You know, I've been saving this in the hopper. I can't believe I didn't lead with it. But uh, we've we've covered some important things. But the most important thing, Coach Anise, just promise me, promise me those uniforms on Saturday are not going to be gray. What what are the Bulldogs wearing? We we actually called Coach Mitchell because, you know, you got got to get authorization from the home team to wear, you know, anything besides white. And uh, I called him and asked if we could wear gray. And he said, yes. He says, those are the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen. So we're, we're going to let you wear gray at Lovers. Oh, uh, my no, goodness. I didn't call him, honestly. We're going to wear white jerseys with red pants. The exact same look as we had a couple of weeks ago when you were mm-hmm. in Midland watching this play. All right. All right. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, obviously, I'm the, the, the uniform you know, uh, end all be all. And what I say goes, no, um, I, I do. I still appreciate the fact that, uh, at one point you had your, your social media team, make me my own gray bulldog uniform. That was, that was a nice touch. I didn't forget that one. No, no, they, uh, they, they pay attention to you for sure. You've got more, uh, Ferris state, uh, football fans uh, following you than any other, but any, any other team. In the that game. is true. That is true. I, uh, yeah, like you just mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it was fun. Uh, I mean, you guys on the, on the field, that result wasn't too fun for me to endure, but uh, it is what it is. But I, I do really, in all seriousness, appreciate, appreciate the support from, from the Bulldog Nation. And uh, coach, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I really appreciate uh, you stopping by on, on Gliak Football Weekly. And uh, it's, it's always a good time when we get to, to chat and, and go over everything. I really appreciate it and, and wish you all the best this week and, and moving forward. I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for having me on. All right, my sincere thanks to Coach Anise, the head football coach for the Ferris State Bulldogs, for stopping by on Gleeck Football Weekly and bringing a little Tony Anise flair into the conversation. And I, I think that's the first we've ever had uh, multiple people join in on, on the interview, and why not? It's a, it's a family affair there at, at Ferris State, and just the uh, the genuine love for his, his players and, and, and coaches, you, you feel it there from from Tony and E. So appreciate that time from him. And oh, by the way, his Bulldogs have a pretty big game coming up on Saturday. The Anchor Bone Classic against the Grand Valley State Lakers, number two Ferris, number six Grand Valley, of course, using the D2.com top 25 poll. But number two versus number six, undefeated. So we might as well, we might as well start there. I know we've been talking at length about it, but I've been having this conversation with a couple of different people that I think this is the biggest game in all all of Division II football, not only this weekend, but leading up to this point in the entire nation. You do have Valdosta State, who's number three, playing number 10, West Alabama, on Saturday. So if we're getting really global for a second, global, national for a second, um, that's another big game. But you can't beat number two versus number six, a top 10 showdown. And and this is a rivalry that's just that's been owned by Ferris State over the course of the last eight years. I mean, looking at the the regular season matchups, Ferris State has won seven of the last eight matchups against Grand Valley. Uh, You know, they've met in the playoffs a couple of times. Grand Valley won in 2015 in the playoffs in Big Rapids, so I need to be fair to them and mention that. But Ferris State then won the 47-32 game 
over Grand Valley in Allendale in 2016. That was the Super Region 4 championship game. So there have been some matchups in the playoffs as well, but this is a, a regular season showdown and and you know two great head coaches going off against one another in Matt Mitchell and Tony Anise. And again, these are two premier programs in the nation with, with Tony Anise as the nation's winningest active head coach at all NCAA levels and he and he's eight and two against Grand Valley so you got to give Tony Anise credit there but let's let's throw the history the 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 recent games about back out the window uh, Ferris won in 2019 at Ferris State at Top Taggart Field I believe that game was 21 to 16 um, and that uh, led to the GLIAC championship for Ferris State and then they also won on the road at Lover Stadium in 2018 as well but looking at this game here and now 2021 all that matters and I've said it time and time again this Grand Valley team it seems more explosive they've got so many weapons on offense Cade Peterson at quarterback and then that three-headed monster attack of the running backs um, you've got Adrian Kane Vesey you've got Bryce Young Walls and you've got Tariq Reed that are all just incredible running backs for Grand Valley so the the off and these are these are you heard it in the interview there these are top scoring offenses in the nation I believe it's one in three but the the statistics by the numbers it's it's pretty incredible what both these teams have been able to do um, so far in 2021 but throw all that out Anchorbone Showdown Lover Stadium under the lights. Grand Valley State hosting Ferris State, number two Ferris State, number six Grand Valley, and you got to make a pick. You got to make a pick. Who do you like, Jake? And I know I'm, I'm not uh, promoting a, a, any kind of gambling by any means, but if you do a point spread, we'll say you get three points for being at home. This is such a pick 'em game, such a toss-up between two incredible programs, and it's difficult to even try to come up with who's going to have an edge here, who's going to have an edge there. Ferris State's won their last 18 regular road games. That's not including neutral site games, but they've been road warriors. And and Grand Valley, I think, has something to prove. And, and no doubt in my mind, that's been a message all week. And the winner of this game, you would think, I, I mean, I again, I said it in the interview with Coach Anise, but you can pretty much go ahead and say they're going to win. The winner of this game wins the conference and the GLIAC title in 2021. So all that said, drum roll, who are you taking, Jake? Not that it matters, but until they're dethroned, I have to back the Ferris State Bulldogs. And I know they had the one game against Saginaw Valley where they committed the seven turnovers and they looked very beatable. Grand Valley hasn't necessarily looked beatable yet, but until Ferris State is dethroned, I'm not going to pick against the Bulldogs. So give me the Ferris State Bulldogs on the road over Grand Valley. I think I do think it's going to be close. I think it'll be high I think it'll be not necessarily high scoring, but these offenses are too good to keep down for an entire 60-minute contest. So, I'll take Ferris State 28, Grand Valley 24, a close game all the way through. We'll see we'll see how it plays out, but such a fun weekend ahead in the GLIAC. Let's get to some more rivalry matchups. It's the Miners' Cup in the Upper Peninsula, Michigan Tech and Northern Michigan, a series that has just been dominated by the Michigan Tech Huskies. They've won the last 10 Miner Cups, but this game being played at the Superior Dome at Northern Michigan 
Michigan Tech coming off the dramatic win over Wayne State. Northern Michigan coming off the loss to Davenport. And both these teams with something to prove. And I said it in the open that Michigan Tech quietly has put together a nice little start here. They're 3-2, and 2-0 in the GLIAC. And I, it's, I can't pick against them because of the... Um, and I know we throw the history out and throw the record books out when, when these rivals get together. But you still, give me Michigan Tech going on the road. I like the Huskies in this one in a low-scoring, low grind-it-out type of game. So I'll take Michigan Tech uh, 21-18 over Northern Michigan. So another close game. But give me the Huskies on the road, 11th consecutive Miners Cup. All right, my favorite rivalry showdown in the entire GLIAC. Obviously, this one's near and dear to my heart. The Axe Bowl, which again, I'm biased. So the Anchor Bone has a trophy. The Miners Cup has a pretty cool trophy, but there's nothing like that axe and holding that axe in your hand. And I can, I can so vividly remember 2015 when the Timberwolves were victorious 21 to 14 and I'm not trying to upset my Cardinal listeners because actually if you look back at the series history um, it's been pretty even over the course of the last eight years I believe they've alternated I know uh, Saginaw Valley State won it in 2019 but holding that axe in such a great tradition too to paint the handle of the axe the color of the team that won. So obviously it's red right now with Saginaw Valley winning the last matchup um, in 2019. But the all-time series, Saginaw Valley has a 29-16 advantage. And this will be the 47th time these two teams got together. 46th Axe Bowl. Um, in 2005, they did a uh, Northwood and Saginaw had a playoff game, which is not considered an Axe Bowl. But yeah, look at back, looking back, so 2019, Saginaw Valley won at 55-29. They also won in 2018, 31-10. Northwood won it in 2017, 35-21. It was at, back to Saginaw in 16, 20-14. Northwood in 15, 21-14, as I was mentioning, and so on and so forth. So that was, again... I'm, I played in this rivalry. There's The hatred for Saginaw Valley is real. The hatred for Northwood is real. That's what makes such a great rivalry. But the uh, the history is is what's fun for alumni and for loudmouths like me to, to, to talk about. But you got to look at this year, here, here and now. And that's what I said about the, the Anchor Bone, about the Miners' Cup, and we'll say it about the Axe Bowl as well. So in 2021, as much as it pains me, absolutely pains me to say, but Saginaw's the better team this year. And despite their struggles on offense, I still think they get the win over Northwood here in 2021. And unfortunately, again, as much as it pains me, that Axe stays red with the Cardinals here in 2021. So I'll take Saginaw Valley winning it 28-17. to over the Timberwolves. So I was trying to add in that one stat about it alternating. The two teams alternated wins from 2014 to 2018. Another interesting note here, from 2008 to 2016, every game but one was decided by one possession or less. So these two teams always play it close, but this year, 2021, I got to give the edge to Saginaw Valley. Ryan Brady and his squad coming off that Dramatic win on the road against Texas A&M Commerce. Northwood coming off that abysmal defeat to Grand Valley, 70-9. So I would love to be proven proven wrong. I think those that know me would uh, 
absolutely agree that I would love nothing more than that uh, axe to return to its rightful owner in Midland, but it's going to be tough this week, and, uh, and I, I got to keep the credibility and, and go with uh, Saginaw Valley because I do think that's how it's going to play out. All right, so one more game to touch on for this week. We've got the three rivalries in the books here. How about Davenport and Wayne State playing a game in Grand Rapids, Wayne State 0 and 6, Davenport 2 and 4. And you look at the series history in this one in 2019, that was Wayne State obviously had a much better team. They won easily 34 nothing at Davenport. Davenport won in Detroit in 2018, 37-14. And then in 2017, in Grand Rapids, an away game for Wayne State, they won it in overtime, 34-27. So Wayne State holds the 2-1 series advantage. And this year, this year, 2021, I'm going with Davenport over Wayne State. Until Wayne State proves that they can get the win, or a win, I should say, I'm, I'm not ready to pick them because I've picked them a couple of times and they've failed me. And they're not the only ones that have failed me. And it's not about me, obviously. I'm joking around with that. But in 2021, Wayne State's winless, 0-6. So I, I need to see the Warriors get a W before I'm ready to put my neck out there for, for Paul Winters and his squad. But I think Davenport is the better team on paper. They're at home. And they're coming off a big win, so they've got a little bit of momentum. And Wayne State, you know, is back to the drawing board at 0-6. So that's your Week 7 slate. One more time, I'll run through my winners. My current record, 20-11. and 11. Looking for that perfect week, so maybe it'll be this week. I've got Davenport over Wayne State. Michigan Tech keeping the Miners' Cup over Northern Michigan. Saginaw Valley keeping the Axe over Northwood. Oh, that tasted like vinegar coming out, but it is what it is. And then Ferris State beating Grand Valley on the road to keep control of the Anchor Bone Trophy. So your winners, Davenport, Michigan Tech, Saginaw Valley, and Ferris State. So... Thank you all for tuning in. Oh, oh, we're not done yet. Don't go anywhere. We've got a little bonus mailbag question sent in. I would be remiss if I did not mention it. And via the Twitter DMs. So you can get in touch with the show any way you want. I always try to make it as interactive with the fans as possible. But Jim K, Saginaw Valley grad, I thought I might hear from him on Axe Bowl weekend. Sure enough, in honor of this year, he writes in, in honor of this year's Axe Bowl, what do you think the future of the Axe Bowl is with Northwood leaving the GLIAC? Saginaw Valley has several non-conference games a year, but the GMAC is a big conference. Will Northwood have any non-conference games to keep this tradition alive? Now, this is a great question because it's one I've answered in some of my closer inner circles, and it will was at I don't want to say it was at the exact forefront of quote-unquote concerns with Northwood leaving the GLIAC but this was definitely discussed in keeping the old GLIAC rivalries alive and how that would take take form and Northwood versus Saginaw is one of those older rivalries in the GLIAC I mentioned 47 games between the two teams together 46 Axe Bowls and there is no doubt in my mind that both administrations will do everything possible to keep this game alive, to keep the Northwood versus Saginaw Valley football 
Axe Bowl rivalry showdown alive. So yes, Northwood's leaving to the GMAC, but part of the discussion with leaving was what those non-conference games will look like. And I know it is a desire for Northwood and Saginaw to continue to play and the Axe Bowl then will just become a non-conference game. So it's, I, I don't, I can't put anything set in stone and I'm not, you know, behind this microphone saying, ah, oh, don't ever worry. Yes, there, there becomes, you know, the, the actual will be around forever. That is my hope. I think that's a lot of people's hopes, but there are, there's more, there's more external factors that go into it now with Northwood leaving the GLIAC and becoming a member of the GMAC. But I think there's the desire from both institutions to keep this rivalry alive keep the axe bowl alive so in my mind i'm confident that they will that they will continue to play and slug it out um it just will be a non-conference game so that's a little mailbag to close out the episode hope you enjoyed this edition of gleak football weekly i know i did and what a weekend we have you've got rivalry games all over the slate for week number seven as Ferris State and Grand Valley play a night game. Northwood and Saginaw, they're at 2 o'clock at Saginaw Valley. Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech at noon at the Superior Dome. And Davenport and Wayne State squaring off at noon in GR at the Farmers Insurance Stadium there and the campus of Davenport. So stick around, enjoy the games, tune in. Going to be a lot of fun, and I look forward. Cannot wait. Maybe this is the perfect week. Who knows? Who knows? We will see how it all plays out, but I know I'll be glued to my webcast, to my portals, trying to take in as much Gleek football as possible. So we'll talk to you next week. My thanks to Tony Anise, the head football coach for the Ferris State Bulldogs, for coming on Gleek Football Weekly, and to you, all of the listeners and supporters that tune in week in and week out. Could not do it without you. I'm Jake Remo for GLIAC Football Weekly and we will talk to you next time. He's back. He's locking. No locking. He's going for the end zone. He's got a touchdown! Thanks for listening to GLIAC Football Weekly. Tune in next time.